Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 18 through 20. The message is titled today, The Basics of the Church. For most of the summer, we have focused on the future of our church, of of this church, North Florida Baptist Church, and how we might pray effectively for God's leadership during the days ahead. Today I want to speak to you about the basics of the church. Who does this church belong to? And how will this church move forward in days ahead? What is the secret of a successful church? In the building of the church, there is no single technique or formula that guarantees success. There's not one thing where you can say, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going to learn this, I'm going to do this, and it's going to be a great success. Scripture tells us about a lot of things. It tells us about reaching out. It tells us about winning the lost. It tells us about continuing in discipleship. But there is no picture of what a congregation looks like. Now, we've pictured in our minds and developed in our heads what we think a congregation ought to be and what a congregation ought to look like. But there's nothing in the New Testament that tells you what a congregation ought to look like. There's nothing in the New Testament that tells you what a congregation should sound like. If I blindfolded you and put you in a church in Tallahassee, Florida, you would probably recognize it. But if I picked you up and I sat you down at the uh, community church there in uh, just outside, uh, in in just out in the village where uh, uh, our missionaries, I just forgot their names, uh, to, to uh, South Africa are working with the Zulus. Zulus, if I set you there in their township and uh, I set you in a church there, you wouldn't recognize it. You wouldn't say, well, this, this doesn't sound like, you'd say, this doesn't sound like church to me. If I put you in different churches in different places, you'd probably say, this doesn't sound like church to me. But there's nothing in the Bible that tells you what a ch- church looks like, what a church sounds like. Uh, there's, there's nothing in the Bible that tells you uh, uh, that what is the guaranteed success of a, of a church, where a church meets, what the building ought to look like. There's nothing like that, nothing whatsoever. All of that <clears throat> we have developed on our own. All of those notions, all of those ideas, all of those conceptuals, conceptions are our conceptions. Truth is, you can have a church under a tree. You can have a church in the basement of a house. You can have a church... Uh, in, in a restaurant. And <clears throat> you could have, and by the way, I have preached in churches and, and all of those places. You, you can have a church in a lot of different places that looks a lot different than the one that you, you go to. So when we look at a, the idea of the basics of the church, probably we're not going to be able to see what we normally think of and know of to be uh, the church. The earliest church saw a lot of success, but they saw success because they stayed with the basics of the church. They didn't get caught up in the other things. They stayed with the basics, Acts 5.42 says, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching the Christ is Jesus, that the Christ is Jesus. There's no mention there of worship style. There's nothing there that talks about the kind of music that they had that made them successful. There's nothing there that talks about the kind of of methods that they have. 
It doesn't say anything about uh, the programs that they had in their church. And because they had this kind of program in their church, they were wildly successful. There's nothing that says anything about the programs in the church, nothing about the methods, nothing about the music, nothing about the way that the pastor dresses, nothing about the personality of the pastor or the preaching style of the pastor. There's nothing like that in there. It doesn't say anything about those things, and yet that church was highly successful. Now, did they have a methodology? I'm sure that they did. But that wasn't as important uh, to communicate to us as the fact that they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ and to go about breaking bread from house to house and, <clears throat> and so on. The Jerusalem church uh, made sure that they met faithfully, that they taught diligently, and that they witnessed consistently. That's pretty much the makeup of a church. They met faithfully, uh, excuse me, they, they, yes, met faithfully, they taught or preached the word diligently and witnessed consistently. Now going forward, here's the question. How does North Florida Baptist Church not only remain stable, but even more achieve growth? How does North Florida Baptist Church become something better than it is, something better than it has been, something better than it has ever been. How does that happen? How does it move forward? Well, I'll tell you how it moves forward. We need to have this particular program. Well, okay, there might be another program that we need to have. We need to have this particular style. I don't know whether the style needs to change or not, but I will tell you this. There's nothing in Scripture about the program or the style that we need to have in order for North Florida Baptist Church to be, uh, to coin a, a phrase, all that it can be. It comes from an understanding of the foundation and building of the local church. And our text tells us what we need to know about that. Matthew 16 and verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever uh, you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one <clears throat> that he was the Christ. Jesus says, I will build my church. Now that says a lot right there. We're going to see four things today. We're going to see that the head of the church is Jesus. We're going to see that the future of the church is Jesus. We're going to see that the defender of the church is Jesus. We're going to see that the authority of the church is Jesus. We're going to see that all that the church is or can be is wrapped up in Jesus. Let's begin with the head of the church who is Jesus. Now, to some, the text suggests that Peter is the cornerstone, even the head of the church. This is the doctrine of our Catholic friends. And what I'm going to tell you now is not to put down uh, our Catholic friends. I have a lot of dear friends that are Catholics. And, and um, I, Father Foley over here at Good Shepherd and I are, are friends. I, I told him one time at a funeral that uh, a mutual friend of ours, a guy that goes to his church named Jerry Latimer, uh, that Jerry Latimer had been thinking about converting uh, and uh, uh, to be a Baptist. And he looked at me and he said, well, pastor, that's a good thing. All people ought to be converted. And uh, so 
he and I are friends, but we don't have the same beliefs on certain things. Our Catholic friends uh, believe that the idea of the papacy originated with the fact that Peter was named the head of the church. Catholics who know their doctrine believe that he was the first pope and that he was appointed by Jesus. As the first pope, he and subsequently others became the divine authority for the church. Some of you may be Catholic and here visiting our church today. Some of you definitely have a Catholic background. This is not the doctrine of our church. Here's what Jesus said. In Matthew 16, 18 again, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let me tell you what all non-Catholic scholars agree on, that Jesus here is using a figure of speech. And in this regard, uh, he's using a figure of speech, especially since the name Peter means small stone. That's what the name Peter means. It means small stone. And Jesus is referencing the fact that he is the rock, and upon this rock, he would build his church himself, Jesus being the rock or the large stone. And I'll say more about that in just a minute, just in case you think that's weak. Uh, He being the rock or the large stone, he's the master stone, he's the cornerstone upon which the church is built. To, to coin, uh, uh, to use a phrase from our friends at Prudential, uh, Peter was a piece of the rock. Uh, he wasn't the rock. He was a, a piece of the rock. The Bible has taught and consistently teaches that Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the cornerstone. Ephesians 5, 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body is himself its savior. Jesus is the head of the church. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. It teaches that Jesus is the head of the church. We'll come back to the cornerstone thing in a minute. Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might have the preeminence. Now, how does this relate to the idea that Jesus is the first pope? Well, let me just say this. If Jesus is the first, if, excuse me, if Simon Peter is the first pope, then certainly uh, the church got off to a bad start. And he got off to a bad start in his papacy. And here's the reason. Because just a few verses later, Jesus calls the first pope Satan. He says in Matthew 16, 23, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. Simon Peter is not the head of the church. Simon Peter is not the foundation of the church. The foundation of the church, the corner of the church, is Jesus Christ. He is the rock of the church. Now to the verse I wanted to read earlier, Ephesians 2.20. Built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. All the church put together is a building of little stones built upon the one true rock of our salvation, the chief cornerstone, and that is Jesus Christ. We, all of us, you and me, those of us who are born again, we are part of the church or the body of Christ. And I'll put it to you this way. We are the pebbles we are the little rocks upon which uh, the, the, uh, built upon the cornerstone, which is Jesus. 
First Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. You yourselves, living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. That basically says that all of us have the priestly ability of coming to Jesus through, uh, coming to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the head of the church. We are a part of the church. Very, very important for you to understand that Jesus is the head of the church. If you ride down the street and you look at this church over here and you say, well, I wonder who the head of that church is. Well, if it's a New Testament church, Jesus is the head of that church. Well, I wonder who's the head of that church. Jesus is the head of that church. Uh, Quite honestly, I have never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever had my name put on the church sign here or anywhere else. And the reason is because it might, and, and that's fine if people put their names on the church sign, but I don't want people to get the impression that I'm the head of the church. I'm not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. You're not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Your next pastor will not be the head of the church. Jesus will still be the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Now, let me say this to you. He's not only the head of the church, Jesus is the future of the church. I'm giving you these things because you really need to get these things. This church really needs to understand these things. Look, when you're going into a time of transition, it's important that everybody be as mature and biblically understanding as they possibly can be. When immature people go into a time of transition, they make immature decisions and create matters that, that uh, simply speak of the immaturity of the body. Jesus is the head of the church. It's a mature understanding to know that. Here's another mature understanding, that he is the future of the church. What did Jesus say in verse 18? I will build my church. Now, there it is right there. There is a certainty about that statement from Jesus that should encourage all of us. There is a certainty about that statement that should comfort all of us. No matter how troubled a church can be, no matter how persecuted a church might be, no matter how rejected or maligned or otherwise unappreciated the work of God's church might be, it will still go on. And the church will go on until the church is taken out of the way. The church, the body of Christ, there will be a day when the church is removed from its influence on the earth. And then we'll usher in the times of the tribulation and so on. But now the church is here and the church will continue. Why? Because he is the future of the church. If it's put down here, it's going to emerge over there. And the reason is because Jesus built it. The original plan is still in operation. Jesus said, I will build my church. He will build his church. This is his church. I've heard people say when I'm talking to them about uh, the ministry or they were talking about the school or something like that, and I was somewhere else, and they would say things like, now doesn't that church, does that school have a church? (laughs) And and that's often a a misunderstanding. And I, I understand what they're saying. But the truth is that Jesus has a church and Jesus 
has a school, and, G- and all that we are is Jesus. He is the future. Now, let me say a few things. With so much market-driven ministry today, and that's where we are, that's where the church is today. You folks, I cannot emphasize this enough. That is where the church is today. We are in market-driven ministry, consumer Christianity. This is where we are. This is, this is what the body of Christ looks like today. The body of Christ looks like it's going to the mall and they want to go to the newest mall because it has opened up and there's a store in there I really, really like. That is market-driven ministry. That is consumer Christianity. And I will tell you this, that while the church will be built by Jesus Christ, that can and will be the death knell of any local church. Any local church that becomes market-driven, any local ch- doesn't mean that we should be tone-deaf to what's going on out there. But any local church that becomes market-driven will get so tied into its market that when the market goes away, guess what happens? That local church's reason to be there goes away. You have to come to the understanding that it's not style that's the future of the church. It's not programs that's the future of the church. It's Jesus Christ. He is the future of the church. He will build the church. If the succeeding of the church, the local church, was left up to people like you and me, the future would be dim. But He is the future of the church. The future of the church is Jesus. The church goes on because he sets the time when it is no more. And until then, we do all that we can or should be doing within his will to be part of his plan for the local church because he is the head of the church. He is the future of the church. For a long time, a very long time, and and it's still out there, I'm sure. The rumor in this town has been that this ministry belongs to me. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, lock, stock, and barrel. That, now, that sounds crazy to you, and you've heard me say that before, and it sounds crazy when I say it. But there are people who literally in this town think that. They thought that Rayburn Blair, my predecessor, owned it. Somehow or another, he deeded it over to me uh, 24 and a half years ago. Somehow or another, that's the way that it, it, it happened. Um, and, and I don't, I, I can be a little frustrated with that, but on the other hand, I say this. When we talk about church, we normally speak in personal terms. That's my church. And, and I understand that, and I, I kind of want you to feel that way. I want you to feel like this is your church. But when it comes to who owns the church, the one who bought it owns the church. No one purchased North Florida Baptist Church. I didn't buy it. You didn't buy it. You said, well, well, I, I give to it, so do I. You know what I give to it? I give to it money that was given to me. You know who gave it to me? The one who bought the church. The church doesn't belong to me any more than it belongs to you, and it doesn't belong to you any more than it belongs to me. The church belongs to Jesus. He 
bought it. He purchased it. It's all his. It's his. The church belongs to Jesus. I think we ought to say that. The church belongs to Jesus. First graders, join me please. The church belongs to Jesus. One more time like you really believe it. The church belongs to Jesus. This is his church. It's not my church. It's his church. It belongs to Jesus. Here's how it was purchased. Acts 20, 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. That's the price of the church. Jesus takes the church personally because he bought it. He paid for it with his own blood. It's as much, it's as much him as his body is him. Colossians 1.24, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filled up. What is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. How personal do you feel about the church? How personal is this church to you? Not the program of the church, not the programs of the church, not a program of the church, not the personality of the church, not a personality in the church. How personal do you feel about the local church. I never will forget my seminary days at Temple Baptist Seminary. That man right there, that's the late Dr. Lee Robertson. What a man. A student came to his office and criticized Highland Park Baptist Church. Dr. Robertson told this story in a sermon, and I, I can I can hear him saying it now because I was shocked when he said it in the sermon. He stepped out from behind his desk where that student had visited him, and he stood in front of that student, and he said, kick me in the shins. And the student said, sir, kick me in the shins. That's exactly what he said. And he said, why would you want me to do that? And he said, that's the only way that I can show you how much it hurts to hear the church of Jesus Christ criticized. He is the head of the church, and we ought to take it personal. He is the future of the church, and we ought to take it personally. And quite honestly, I will tell you this, that we should protect the, the reputation of God's local church as though it, it was our own personal feelings. These are the basics of the church. He's the head of the church. The future of the church is Jesus. Here's the third thing. The defender of the church is Jesus. Verse 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now this does not mean that an individual local church cannot fall or, or lose God's hand a blessing. It doesn't mean that we should not defend the church. Whenever local, state, or federal government considers a law that attacks or in any way hinders the work of the local church, the people of the church should make their voices heard. 
But make no mistake, Jesus is not a disinterested party. He is the defender of the church. We must be sure that our defense of the church is defensible by Jesus. He is the defender of the church. Our position and our disposition matters because Jesus is defending the church. We certainly don't want to be a stumbling block inside the church or outside of the church. You don't want to allow your spirit, your attitude, your words, your emotions to be a stumbling block in the church. You don't want to allow your spirit or emotions or actions or whatever it may be, be a stumbling block outside of the church. You just don't want that. You don't want that because he is the defender of the church and we want to make sure that we give him clear path that we aren't part of what he has to defend the church against. As the defender of the church, it is through him that the local church grows and prosper and we should want what he wants. What does he want? Well, since the very beginning, the foundation of the church, he wanted the church to spread. In fact, the early church was scattered so that it spread. All of that persecution in the early church, that was used of God to send the church to the uttermost parts of the earth. We we have to understand that we're a part of that. When a soul is saved, we're spreading the church. When missionaries are sent, God's church is being spread. And, and let me just stop and say a word about missionaries. And, and I, want you to, I want you to hear me, and, and you hear me really clearly on this, okay? We have missionaries in other parts of the world who are depending on this church being faithful to give to them so that they can stay and do God's work in other, other parts of the world. You should understand that. You should understand that. And they're going to depend on you to continue to give to them when I'm not here. They're going to depend on you to continue to give so that the work can go on in South Africa, so that the work can go on. um, By the way, it's Henry and Janet Hulk that I was trying to think of earlier. So that the work can can go on in Kenya, so that the work can go on in, uh, in, in Romania and South America and and Japan and, and uh, Thailand and, and wherever we have missionaries. <clears throat> That's part of spreading the church. Jesus is the defender of the church. He will do so until the very end. Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. With the persecution of the church on the rise, it seems like hell itself is walking toward the doors of the church. We, you and me, we've lived pretty much insulated from that. Um, We've lived insulated from religious persecution. But that does not mean that it's not out there. And that does not mean that it cannot come. And that does not mean that it will not come. If If it does come, be assured that Jesus is the defender of the church. You say, well, Pastor Ray, what kind of religious persecution? The ultimate religious persecution. It's going on now. It's going on now in in the radical Muslim areas where that, that Christians are being beheaded for saying, I will not renounce my Christianity. And that's going on right now, today. Could I ask you to stack that up? 
against whatever aggravates you about the church. <laughs> Just stack that up. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm saying we, we, us, the collective we. We're just silly. We're just silly. We're just plain silly. There is, there is an all-out assault going against Christianity today, and we try to decide whether or not we're going to go to church on Sunday morning. Imagine such a thing. The head of the church is Jesus. The future of the church is Jesus. The defender of the church is Jesus. And finally, the authority of the church is Jesus. Verse 16, 19 of chapter 16, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The work of the local church is supernatural. It is supernatural. Now, we've kind of gotten used to it to where we think it's natural, but it's not. It's supernatural. There is no marketing style that makes a church successful. There, you, you can't be culture, culturally relevant enough for the church to be successful. It's the authority of Jesus. Jesus adds to the church. Jesus causes it to grow. Jesus blesses it with good health and the spirit of joy. It is all in Jesus. And let me say this to you. There are some false, false markers along the way that people uh, have put out there. For, for instance, you can say, and I believe, oh man, do I believe. Do you know how much I would rather preach to a full house than to a house that's not full? I mean, I really, I've preached to a lot of full houses in my day. I, it's, it's really exciting to preach to a full house. But could I tell you this? That numbers do not guarantee that God's hands on a church. If they do, then God's hand is on a lot of stuff that's heretical in our world today. That's, that's a measure, but it's not the measure. It's understandable. It's understandable, but it's not the, the only measure. Should a church grow? Yes, anything that's alive ought to be growing. Let me just pull over and park and tell you something that, that I said to someone on Friday night at the football game. Do you know why I'm retiring from, from being the pastor of this church? It's not because I can't preach anymore. Wow, you missed a tremendous opportunity to say amen. You people. That's the reason that I'm retiring right there. It's not because I can't preach anymore. It's not because that I can't lead. It's not because that I don't love you. It's not because that... There are a lot of reasons that it's not because of. I want to tell you the reason. Here's the reason that I'm retiring from being the pastor of this church. Listen to me. This church needs a pastor with a fresh vision to stir you up and give you a sense of freshness about the work of God at North Florida Baptist Church. That's the reason. You need that. You really do need that. And, 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 this church needs that. This town needs that. This, this town, and th- none of this is, is on script here. This is all off, off the script. 
this town is unlike any town that I've ever known of anywhere. Anywhere. I, I went to um, last night to eat at a really nice restaurant here in town called Table 23. Used to be the front porch, and before that it was Chez Pierre. And now it's Table 23. And really, really good. They have a Lucky Goat coffee rubbed ribeye steak that will set you free. And guy can, and, and I've been in there. Whew, man, alive! And a guy walked by, and I said, uh, "Hey, did you?" He, he was a chef, and I said, "Did you cook this?" He said, "I bossed around the people that did." And I said, "This is fantastic. Your next door neighbor owns that place, uh, Joe Lemon." Uh, he, I said, "This is fantastic." And. Uh, he said, well, thank you. And he, he stood there for a while and, and started. By the way, you'll all go there now, but trust me, uh, save up your money. But, but, <clears throat> but it was just so good. And, and we got to talking about some things. And, and, and I, here's what I said to him. I said, you have a great formula here in this restaurant. You and Joe, and I've mentioned Joe's name. I said, you and Joe, you'll have a great formula in this restaurant. Now, here's what happens in restaurants in Tallahassee. You have a great formula, and then people get funny with it. They tail, tails off a little bit, and then you change your formula, and the whole thing goes away. Don't change your formula. You have a great formula here. Stay with it. What happens in restaurants in Tallahassee happens with everything in Tallahassee, including churches. And, and I won't go into the, I have theories on why that is, but it's, this is my town. This is where God called me to be. I love this town. I, I love you. I love this place. But I'm not retiring because I can't be your pastor anymore. I'm retiring because of how God has led in my heart and what I know you need. And you need a fresh fire in this church. You do. And oddly enough, you think it's going to come with a new pastor. It's not going to come with a new pastor, but it's going to come with a new attitude in your heart because there is new leadership. That's the way that works. And, and here's, what, here's what I want you to do as a church. I want you to be together. I want you to get together. I want you to call uh, God's man that, that God has led to this place. I want you to get behind him. I want you to feel the surge. I want you to ride the wave. And I want you to stay on absolutely until Jesus comes. You, you, there is no reason that a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching church with a cross-section of people, you ought to look at what I'm looking at. With a cross-section of people, there is no reason that a church like that can't really take hold and go. And you need a fresh vision. You do. And Jan needs to go see her granddaughters in Jacksonville. A lot. And so do I. But we're not moving. We're staying in Tallahassee. The work of the church is supernatural. It, it shouldn't, it's, it's not about cultural relativism. And, and I'm not, you, 
Look, it's, it's not about that. Uh, most people measure churches in a wrong way. The, this message, this whole message has been about the basics of a church. And I, I want to I finish it up real quick. What, what are the signs? What are the basic signs of, of a healthy church? Let me give you four or five things and I'm done. First of all, godly leadership. Godly leadership. Titus 1.9, speaking of the, the, uh, the uh, pastor of the church, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. I've heard all of my life that everything rises and falls on my adult life. It rises and falls on leadership, and it does. No church can be what the church should be without godly leadership. You say, who is that? That's every person in leadership position, whether it's the pastor, the deacons, Sunday school teachers, school teachers, uh, school leaders, whatever it is. There must be godly leadership. And secondly, there must be biblical goals. If we have the wrong goals, we'll, we'll end up at the wrong place. The primary goal of the church should be to glorify God, win the lost, and edify the church. That's it. That's the triad. Glorify God, win souls, win the lost, and edify the church. That's it. The ministry of the church are never the goal. They're never the goal. Never the goal. Well, what we need is we need somebody that will build a, a men's ministry. That is not the goal. Can you have a great men's ministry? Yes. Can you have a great women's ministry? Yes. Can you have great sons? Yes. But none of those are the goal. The, the goal, the, the biblical goals is very simple. Glorify God, win the lost, edify the church. There are a lot of wandering, there are a lot of wandering believers in Tallahassee today looking for a better deal on a church because they misunderstood what the goal is. The goal is not in whether or not the band is good. The goal is not in whether or not the, the preacher wears a suit or wears jeans with his shirt tail out. That doesn't matter. It does not matter. Pastor Ray, would you listen to a guy preach that wore jeans with his shirt tail out? Yes, if he can preach. If he can preach. If a dude can't preach, I wouldn't listen to a guy that had a, a robe up to his chin and wore golden shoes and stood on a platform of Bibles. It's, the style is not the goal. Please understand that. Please get that. That is so important for you, the person in the pew, to understand. This has become the Christianity of the day. There must be biblical preaching and teaching. 2 Timothy 4, 2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Acts 5.42, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus is the Christ. This is, these are the, the, the basics of the church under the authority of Jesus. Godly leadership, biblical goals, biblical preaching and teaching, evangelism. 
Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This church must never give up her missions program. This church must never give up the idea of reaching across the street and around the world. You say, well, isn't isn't that just a program? It is not really a program. It's the passion. It's the church. Discipleship. Ephesians 4.11, and he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building of the body. The church is not a spectator sport where professionals minister and members cheer them on. It is part, you are part of the ministry. It's the, it is a hands-on training ground uh, for God's work to be done every day through God's people. This is the church. It's the church. What are the basics? What are the ingredients? Well, there must be godly leadership and biblical goals and, and biblical preaching and teaching and evangelism and discipleship. And I'll give you one more thing. I'm sure there's a lot more, but I'll give you one more. Fellowship. Again, verse 46, and day to day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with gladness, glad and generous hearts. The fellowship that we enjoy and the concern that we show for one another is part of the formula of an effective church. It's not everything, but it's, it's important. I could go on, but you see that the future of the church is in the hands of God through the hearts and lives of God's people. Where are you in all of this? Where are you? And, and, uh, not next Monday night, but the Monday night after when we have our deacons meeting, we're going to select, the deacons are going to select from among themselves a search committee. The deacons are the pulpit committee. They are going to select a search committee. Now, in the selection of a search committee, there's the temptation to say, well, I hope they search something that I want. I hope we get what I'm looking for. And I do too, as long as it's what God wants and what God's looking for. Do you have a heart for the work of God? Do you have a heart for this church? Do you? Do you have a heart for this church? Are you willing to be the church? The outreach, the fellowship, the godly leadership of the church. Are you willing to be the church? This church has a history, and this church has a future. Remember this, it's all about Jesus and how we glorify Him in His body, the local church.